Our scripture reading from this morning is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, this is our second week in our Art of Neighboring sermon series. It's a sermon series that we are joining hundreds of churches throughout Metro Charlotte, uh, not only in preaching the same passages, but also joining other congregations and exercising our faith and action and uh, something we don't always do here, intentional methodologies to better love the people who live and work right around us, our neighbors. Last week, we looked a little closer at our neighborhood map, which you see up on the screen. And um, I don't know if you have an insert today, but I wanted to remind you um, that in this um, neighborhood map, you should find yourself somewhere on the block, if not in the middle. And I challenged you last week to find out the names of the people who live around you in your neighborhood. Whether your house on here is a corner house, the middle house, the wherever, um, to figure out the people around you. What are their names? Very least, what are their names? And to begin to pray for their lives. If you're a believer today, yeah, I mean, to, to really take up um, your call to love your neighbor and pray for them, um, and then maybe take some further steps to be able to make those prayers specific as you begin to know what they're dealing with or going through or struggling with. Um, I said this is not only a neighborhood map. It could be a map of your office floor where you one of these offices and these are the people around you. This could be a classroom. Um, a school, and these are teachers' classrooms. This could be a map of the desk in your classroom if you're a student. Um, this could go a number of different ways. If you're a merchant, these could be the other businesses in the mall or in your street or whatever. But find a way, find out who's your, who you're neighboring with and um, begin to fill this out. Be creative. I know y'all can be creative, right? Um, last week, again, we looked at what it meant to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because, our love and because of our love and acknowledgement of God being our divine neighbor, right? This week, as we are, are encouraged to move outwards and towards community and neighbors, we will face what is described in this second message in the art of neighboring as the time barrier. 
While there are lots of barriers internally and externally in connecting our love for God to our love with others, one that exists for all of us, especially in this age and in this country, is the time barrier. We are so busy. We are overcommitted. We are overworked. We're stretched. Some of us in that feel like we're underachieving, and already we're not making our present goals for work and family and self-care. How could we possibly make more time where there is no more time to be better and good neighbors to the people around us? For our passage today, from our passage today with main characters Martha, Mary, and Jesus himself, we see that our time barriers to being good neighbors has less to do with the clock and calendar and more to do with our confusion between what is important versus what Jesus calls necessary. Necessary in loving him with all our hearts and minds and souls and then loving our neighbors as ourselves. For those of you who are taking notes here, there are three things I believe this passage shows us that can help us in our call to be good neighbors in the time barrier. Number one, we must reassess our time commitments. We must reassess our time commitments. Secondly, we must challenge our cultural commitments. We must challenge our cultural commitments. And finally, we must be fueled by Jesus's commitment. We must be fueled by Jesus's commitment. It is clear from the passage that Martha is upset. Not only with Mary for not helping her set up for what is probably an unexpected group of people coming to dinner, but look at who she addresses here with her correction. Verse 38 says this, uh, Now as they went on their way, Jesus into the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. A point of note here, the Bible says, Martha welcomed Jesus into whose house? Her house, right? Remember last week I told you about Jesus' version of hospitality. He don't have no house, right? He's the ancient version of Tommy from Martin, right? He ain't got no house. So, so he goes to other people's houses to do his ministry. He's a divine brother man from the fifth floor, right? He's Kramer from Seinfeld. All the action happens in somebody else's apartment. He is at Martha's house as her guest of honor, but still her house Therefore, her way, right? Her plan, right? He brought all of his crew with him too, Mary among them. And so in a way, Martha is setting him straight just in case he didn't recognize, just in case he was slipping. Because though he might be fine hanging out with the dudes on the front porch, this is the way things work here. We can't have Mary who should be helping her too. Jesus can't have this and that. 
But not only is it about being in Martha's space, this is Martha's life we're talking about here, right? She wants to have fun and chill, but somebody got to cut up the chicken and wash the greens, right? And Jesus has come and stopped her flow and made her life hard. And hard is right. Because Jesus makes a hardcore decision about what it means to be his follower. He says this in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, Mary. I mean, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Do you see what his response is saying? In other words, this life, your life, that you think and appear to be running the way you want to, doesn't belong to you anymore. Jesus saying, Martha, I am here as Jesus, therefore this is my house now. It runs the way I say. This is my gathering. This is my life, Mary. Mary's life is my life, as you clearly recognize, because you asked me and not her about helping you. But you know that her life and your life no longer belong to you or anyone else first like it belongs to me. Jesus was like, I am sorry. You had to learn this in the middle of your anxiety and even desire to do and work what you've always known as right and good and proper and godly even, but I got you in this life now. I am the Lord of the calendar and the task and your work and your energy and your expectations and even your goals. And I believe this is new. For many of you, a renewed understanding of what is a key component in giving our time, our most valuable stuff in this life and of our lives to others. It all belongs to Jesus now and to his mission. It is a radical and benevolent takeover of all things you are and have and own. Which means Jesus, out of his desire to have you love God and others, and get this, to have others, like your Marys, if you will, in our lives, finally get a chance to know him in his life, he will be using yours. He will be taking advantage of you. Will completely, hear this is so hard, he will completely rewrite your life goals. He will completely rewrite your job description. For all time's sakes, and even for just a period in your life, you and I, who are believers, if you're not a believer, okay, all right? He, he's still the Lord, you just hadn't caught, it hadn't caught up with you yet, right? But you and I, especially you church people, are no longer the center of the universe. Surprise! I think we've taken Christianity, we think Jesus came for us to finally be in control in the center of the universe. He's given us the tools to be in charge. No, he's using the tools to make you not in charge anymore. You are no longer determined what is joyful. You no longer, like he had to teach Martha, no longer do you determine and measure what success is. 
the measuring sticks and parameters and time values of, of life are now a kingdom reality where Jesus is king and your kingdom has been overtaken and taken over as now as a subset of his kingdom. When we look at our neighborhood maps, I want to challenge you. As you walk out into your neighborhoods, or even in your house, to your office, to your cubicle, to your classroom, to your gym, with your life and lives all planned out, I want you to say out loud even, under your breath, this life, my life, don't belong to me. But to you, Lord, to your love, your love for the Marys in my life, to my neighbors who need a chance to spend time with or get to know you, that I have and run nothing outside of you. You can uproot it. You can ruin it. You can put what's high on my agenda last on yours. You're not my guest any longer. Jesus, when I invited and welcomed you into my life, you became Lord and King. And this is just the beginning to getting over the time barrier. When it comes to serving our neighbors and making time for them and having them meet with you and the Lord for their felt and spiritual needs, we must be willing to forsake our cultural commitments. And I use cultural because I couldn't think of a better word right now, okay? Maybe I should have called one of y'all. I looked in the thesaurus, I couldn't think of anything else. I contend that if Jesus was some regular guest, Martha would be right. Wouldn't she? I mean, culturally speaking, no dude was going to dare come into the kitchen and help set up a meal in ancient Palestine. Palestinian men didn't do women's work. They make work for the women of the culture. Y'all make work with your presence and plans. And so there is a built-in work ethic for the women of the day. It was the way the culture and family relationships and businesses and society worked. It's how they made it. That's one reason Martha can be so matter-of-fact with Jesus and let him know without fear and a lot of audacity, work has to get done. This is the way it is in that world at the time. And Martha's commitment's work ethic was about to take Mary, her friend, and her her neighbor's chance to really get to know Jesus well and learn about Jesus because of Martha's work ethic. Because of the cultural work ethic. It was also just, just a part of the stereotypical expected place for a woman in that day. It was what she should have considered most important. It should have been a thing that she considered necessary. It's on the front of the mind of, of, of a Palestinian woman to make things work and run as any other hardworking Palestinian woman, even if doing so would take Mary's time to meet Jesus, even if it kept Mary, Mary oppressed and separated from Jesus to fit into her Martha's plans. 
Mary would have been stuck in the regular rotation of life with Martha if Jesus hadn't pushed back because of their cultural expectations and commitments. It would have been completely understandable for Mary to not be freed to spend time with and meet and connect with Jesus. Her role, her cultural role was important. Well, let me say this again. It was important to the way the fabric of things worked at the time. But Jesus says this, it wasn't necessary. Important, but flexible to his plans. And so unnecessary compared to letting and helping and freeing Mary that he calls it, so, he, it is so unnecessary that Jesus calls it a distraction to them loving him and neighbor. Do you see that? He says this in verse 41 and 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, portion, portion which will not be taken away from her. Y'all ready? We all live with important but unnecessary distraction to loving God and neighbors. The clean and perfectly hospitably ready houses, being that servant, godly, southern, Christian, evangelical-shaped woman, being good providers for your family, things we just throw out, throw away comments, I mean, this speaks to the work ethic in our country. The finance piece, right? We must protect by all means savings in college savings or the vacation fund or exercise time and yoga and running and just vegging, vegging right? But are y'all really ready? What about what I would describe as chidolatry? Everything in all times kid-centered and trust me, I had babies, right? We, we, we got boys, we've had toddlers, we've had it all. Throwing up, blow out diapers, everything. Sometimes you just want to put them suckers in a drawer. Boom, right? Cry in there. But some of us are idolaters. Everything focuses around the kids. Can't do that. Why? Kids. Why can't? Oh, and, and, and think about it. Rigid, non-flexible nap time schedules. Toddler controlled and centered lifestyles. Important. Oh my gosh. You're not hearing me say, Pastor Brown, since his kids are 15 and 17, he don't understand. No, I understand. I don't have stuff now. Stuff broken. Furniture's torn up, things been thrown up on. I mean, everything. Don't come to our house if it's been there longer than 15 to 17 years. We don't know what's on there. I understand, but I also understand what it is to have the love you're supposed to have for God and neighbor controlled by a toddler. And you use it as an excuse. It's kids. It ain't kids, it's you. It's us sometimes. 
important. Please, it's important. It is, right? But, I mean, think about the other things. Okay, so the toddler and the kid stuff is a little hard, okay? I understand, especially when you're in the middle of it. I'm going to be, I think we can be gentle there, right? But sports? Your kid don't have to be the next greatest whatever. What if they miss a game? Important. Unnecessary. Sports and enrichment stuff. If you, my kid's going to be a, a dart champion. No, they're not. <laughs> an artist or dance or scouting and, and all kinds of outings and extracurricular activities to give your kids an advantage. And, and working and working extra so you can put your kids in that school or the private school or working the way you do because you're pushed by being the golden child, some of you or your parents, or for the expectations of your degree, or your family, or making your wife happy, or giving your spouse the house and the car and the vacations that everyone else has, right? Because they sacrifice. To get there, it leaves you exhausted, too exhausted, to free our neighbors to be with us and us with them, and ultimately for them to be able to enjoy and experience a relationship with the Lord. Important! Right? Nine times out of ten, Martha was right. Mary, come in here and help. But there's necessary times. I thought this was going to be an easy one. This ain't easy. Have you ever noticed the new discussions? They're all about what TV shows you're watching. I'm there too. Y'all watching a lot of TV. And it's gotten to the point, I'm there too. I, right now, I think I got one TV show I'm watching, and I feel like I'm left behind. Right? What you watching? I'm watching this. Ain't nobody watching that no more, right? What are you watching? I'm watching this, 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 and this. And it's sort of like it's necessary to get your TV shows in line. Or you won't we'll be left out the conversation. No, there might actually be a conversation. Right? And, and we, we, it is important to have some good TV watching. Not necessary. I don't even know if it's important. But we got, it's almost like we, we got to have, why do we have to have internet? Not just that we can do our work, because we got to watch our TV show. Right? Um, I'm going, we're going over here to this retreat. They got internet? <laughs> why? I can't miss my show on Netflix. Be up late in the cabin, looking at Netflix. I've been there as a guest speaker. Pastor Brown leading the retreat. What's he doing on his off time? Catching up on my TV shows. Don't you want to go walk in a little trail with somebody? No. If it's Saturday in the fall, I'm watching football. Clemson, right? Do you want to meet some people and get to know them deeper? No, I don't. Right? distractions in our technologies. Oh my gosh, we are so culturally committed and, and it is so, it made so important, almost necessary to manage. Hear me, manage our relationships via text and Instagram and Snapchat and email. I said manage. Because we can easily do it as a redistracting, I mean redirecting distraction to keep people in their place so they don't mess up our schedule, right? That's what email does. Yeah, great, right? 
and you put that person off, you can put somebody off for two or three days, right? Yes, less meat. Yes, two more days. Catch up on my TV shows, right? Where you want to meet, you pick the place. Yes. Emoji, right? We don't use it. It's, it's, it's supposed to create, te- technology is supposed to create and free up our schedule so that we can actually have freedom. But now it's put in relationships in the margins. It's in the middle and relationships have to fit in. Pastor Josh, he's always reading some good books. So if you want to read a good book, he was, he's always helping us here. He, uh, he read a book on the perspective of money and success. And we are always comparing and so worrying about what people think about us and what other people have that uh, we, we are culturally predisposed to perform. That if it looks like we're slacking off or we are seeing as wasting time or not pushing our income to that level or getting here, get, getting there, shame builds up. Not shame for how you're actually doing. Shame based on what you should be doing, right? Shame based on what somebody else is doing. It's that Martha shame, right? Jesus, not even talking to Mary. Jesus, she shouldn't be doing this, right? It's that indirect kind of feeling when you pass by a certain house. Sometimes I pass by this house, that thing was nice in a nice part of downtown Charlotte, right? And I looked and some young people came out the front door. <laughs> I'm gonna take my car, like, I, no! What y'all doing? You 30, you 25. Hi, going for a jog. No, I can't even jog anymore. And I say to myself, I should be there at 47. We should be there by now. We went out last night to eat and we went uptown and with some friends and I'm looking at them condos. I'm like, we should be up there driving the scooters around. We feel us. <laughs> and I mean, one thing the book was saying is we have this thought, right? This, this sort of, what is the number, y'all? Do you know, and, and Josh, were you going to preach on this? Too late now. So, I'm sorry, senior pastor. So, it's still like, just kidding. But it's, it's sort of like, you know, when he, and I didn't even read the book. I'm just hearsay. He could be lying. You know, he might be writing his own book. I'm saying it in front and getting recorded and all. And he was like, is it the number is, you, you, you always think you're poor and you have to make four times what you make in your mind to actually be there. Whether you make 40000 or 150,000 because of the way our society works. We got a Martha society, y'all, and we're anxious about so much. Some of us making 150,000 and we don't think we're gonna be, we're poor unless we're making 600,000. Okay, y'all ready? (laughs) So this is a, multi-ethnic church, supposedly. When we started, I thought I understood white people just because I lived with them, my neighborhood. And Georgia was like, man, there's a lot to learn about being white. 
and I'm learning this, white is not the standard issue. Like, like everybody else is a color, but if you white, you mainstream. Or the standard issue, God said, and then he colored everybody else in. No. It's true. Are you ethnic? I sure hope you have a country of origin somewhere. Right? But it's become a cultural group in race, and especially in Christianity. And he let me know that no... He says, Howard, you know it's difficult being a white man? I said, come on, please. Don't give me that. He says, as a white man, I realize I can't, I, I, I can't be caught losing, wanting, slacking. I always have to feel like I'm progressing or getting to a certain place, especially in a country and a system that has given me every privilege. That, that there's this cultural commitment that time can't be lost to. And that tells me there is a quiet and inner Martha shaming going on in that. So much so that now evangelical Christianity has gotten Jesus to obey them. <laughs> and write, cosign on this Judeo-Christian American dream work ethic. And yes, God bless America. I love my country. I just want to go ahead and say that to y'all. But there's this kind of Jesus like Martha. Jesus, could you tell Mary to do right? And I think we've said, done that with our faith in some way. Jesus, here's a Judeo-Christian work ethic. This is what it means to be godly and work. This is what it means. And, and Lord, it's okay, right, to have this work ethic that's really a rewrite of the acceptable rat race paradigm, right, to make it okay. And Jesus be okay with us, driven to be ambitiously wealth-seeking above all things. That has become now a necessary virtue. No one questions the man who works 70 hours a week to stay afloat or on top, especially if he's on top of his game. In fact, let's make him an elder. Because he's so successful. I really, I'm sorry, I'm part of this denomination. I rarely run into an elder that's really poor and struggling. Or, and I mean, I've been in a lot of churches and a lot of places. I rarely run into an elder in our denomination, right, that don't have a good job and doing good and working more than 40 hours a week. And that's funny because most times his neighbors don't know him. Oh, yeah, this church, that's, but his neighbors don't. He don't have time for them. His community at work don't know him. It's very neighborly. Jesus can only be scheduled in. And his neighbors are not freed by his or her example, by the way he lives and the way she is committed to meet the Lord. And for you, okay, my people of color and descendants of recent immigrant families, some of us driven to make our parents and race and culture proud. Important, not necessary. To work out of oppression. I want, I'm done. I, I, I want to be out of this immigrant status or to counter sexist perspectives of women in, in the workplace and now being successful and being free of oppression, making our parents who sacrificed so much to come here to this country or, out, or, or, or put us in this position to succeed for us to have what we have now drive us and has become more than important, but now it's necessary. 
So much so that it's now a pillar of what it means to be a believer. Somehow we work the prosperity and, and success that, you know, the, the Mar, into the Martha shaming. We've worked it into a prosperity gospel that now becomes the gospel. Where it becomes okay to do those things we deem important, right? At the risk of someone not being able to know Jesus. How did that happen? How is it that Jesus has to listen to us? We're running things so well. We know we are. Jesus, tell, stop hanging out with her. Tell her to stop hanging out with you. Jesus, I don't want to do anything that would mess up my great career. For your sake. Let me play the voice of Jesus here for us through, through this text. You and I may actually be distracted and leave those we are called to reach. Distracted. From, meeting, from them meeting Jesus by the way we prioritize our jobs, our families, our technology, our entertainments, our ambitions, our prosperity, right? Uh, uh, our personal selfish stuff, our well-being, our savings, our kids' education, our being a good white man, a great immigrant kid, or, or being a good son or daughter, or being a good homemaker, the perfect husband or, or wife, uh, or paying that mortgage or car, thinking you need to be at this economic level, or being highly educated, or having black excellence in the way you do this or that, or having everything the privilege or dominant culture has or says you have to have. And all of that may be distractions to loving God and neighbor. Let me say this. It is not necessary for your parents to be proud of you. It is not necessary for you to live in the particular house you do. It is not necessary for your kid to be as smart as you think they should be. It is not necessary for you to be a yoga or fitness star. It is not necessary for you to have a Martha Stewart house or Bobby Flay menu. It is not necessary to be in the club you're working so hard to stay or be in, whatever that club is. It is not necessary to go to or finish college. It's not necessary to finish high school. I didn't say it wasn't important. <laughs> the kids ain't in here, we okay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you might finish with some... No, no. I didn't say how you were not going to finish. You might finish beat up, but you know. It is not necessary to finish college or have a master's degree or a PhD. It is not necessary for you to be a corporate woman in order to not be oppressed or less than. It is not necessary for you to be a stay-at-home mother in some cases. It is not necessary for you, male or female, to be the breadwinner. It's not necessary for you to have as much bread as you might have. It is not necessary to have savings or a 401k. It's not necessary to have real estate that's growing or wear the greatest and latest kicks or carry around a hydro flask. <laughs> Had to throw that in for my middle school girls. 
It is not necessary to be the top football player. It is not necessary to be a straight A student. It's not necessary for our kids to be great. Or like I said, college grads. It's not necessary for you to be right or politically correct or on the right side. It's not necessary to be conscious about your blackness and woke. It's not even necessary to be a good person. Good. And all of those things might have a degree of importance, but it's only necessary that we and they love God and others. And that all the things we deem important fall in line and are informed by that and not the other way around. To like Martha had to for Mary, do what is necessary for Jesus to come in and be the Lord and Savior of lives. And when he does come in, trust me, it may sting. <laughs> for Jesus asked Martha to do her time in life in a way for Mary, her neighbor, to enjoy and get to know Jesus at her expense means some real consequences in Martha's life and ours, right? Here's some thoughts. The dinner will be cold because you spent time talking to that person outside. It will be late or not as good. The kids will not go to bed on time. I might have to wrestle with busy, tired kids in and then after church later. I might have to break my paleo diet and miss my workout because the person I'm hanging out with wants to eat fried chicken. People will be hangry at me. We will go to bed too late. We'll be tired the next day. Our kid might be so tired after making room for our neighbor to meet Jesus, that our child might miss a few questions on the exam and get a C instead of an A. And people might come in, especially with their kids, and break and mix stuff up in our house. When we got our new house in Atlanta, we were so happy. It was our first house. And you can tell it was our first house, and we were young because we got them white carpets. You remember? <laughs> but we were youth pastors. And we were Georgia Clay in Atlanta. And kids loved to run around on construction dirt. By the end of that year, we had red carpet. <laughs> we had some people over that we were trying to love on, and their kid, toddler kid. Yeah, I remember. I'm not going to say his name out loud. <laughs> he came in the middle of the room. We're all sitting there in a nice house, nice new white carpets. What did he have? Kool-Aid? Sweet tea. And he went, he looked at everybody and he went. <laughs> Your stuff going to get broke up. There will be some chairs on the sidelines. Stuff will get stained, broken, torn up. I remember when I was a kid, we had some people over and somebody put a Star Wars figure inside the VHS. The VHS. Those were like $400 then. And there will be Marthas all over the place waiting to shame you. Why is this happening? And you'll feel it. Why your house look like this? Right? Even if they're not, you'll feel it.
it's time that we would be a slave for our culture, but not to it. That we would love the world and the people through our lives, but not love them for ourselves. That we seek to give ourselves in service to the culture and our mission to the culture with everything we got, but not in oppressive servitude to it. And so there is a reason why Jesus calls Martha's name twice. Martha, Martha. Causes hard. Anxiety and stress that we feel is real. Until I went through this passage, y'all, I really hadn't thought about what I deemed important compared to what was necessary. The best thing for us is to be fueled by Jesus' commitment to us. Now, I look at this and I think, you know what the most revolutionary thing about this whole passage that I must admit was easy at first for me to miss? Do you know who the most out-of-place person is in this story when it comes to time and schedule? It's not Mary, who's completely broken out of her cultural stereotypes and roles and not being in the kitchen, instead learning like the men do at Jesus' feet. But that she is able to sit at the feet of Jesus. That Jesus is the out-of-place person in this story. Think about it, y'all. That Jesus would put himself in a place and spend his time with Mary and others with her. That as he does indirectly, he's invited to a woman's house. He should have said, no, Martha. I got to go to the big wigs house. I don't have time to spend with y'all. I can't be kicking it with you, your sickness, your irritableness, your anxiety. I don't have time for this. And I surely don't have time to, to disciple Mary. She ain't gonna be able to turn the world upside down. She's a woman. Why am I wasting my time with this? If I really wanted to change things, wouldn't I be doing the important work with important people? Look how he describes following and spending time with us. He says to Martha in verse 41 again, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from here. Here's the thing. Everything else will continue to be a distraction and simply become anxiety producing trouble in our lives. Our time, our scheduling, our commitments with how we balance our relationship with the Lord, being some kind of anxiety and troubling some of you are feeling, some of you are feeling it right now, right? When I preach this sermon and this is not necessary, and this is important, I know I start to go on my mind and ah, oh, what am I going to do? Pastor Brown didn't really mean Mean that? that ain't really what it is. He's overdoing it. I know how the anxiety works. Jesus comes in, he creates all kind of, kind of internal anxiety because we want to hold on to stuff. We don't want to be wrong. So it's impossible to not be Martha. But what Jesus has done to break that anxiety and distraction in our life is to actually commit to spend his time on us. I mean, think of the many things Jesus could be doing with his time. Again, he's given his time to two Palestinian, probably non-Roman citizen, non-money-making, won't be able to give him a throne, just trouble and troubled and anxious women. 
and with them the drain and weight of being friends with fishermen and shepherds and sinners and tax collectors? Jesus is wasting his time in our economy of things. He is not working on building his portfolio. He adopts a whole bunch of needy people in his life. And they're actually going to stop him from being the greatest earthly king ever known. Do you know when he spends time with these people, he, he not only spent his time on them, but he spent four time with us. It cost him. When he talks about the portion, he's talking about the portion of him. Redemptive, life-changing time with him. He talks about here that Mary and then Martha got. It cost him. It was this kind of time result that sent him to the cross, that made him have to die so that God could hang out with us and in us and in our neighborhood. It cost Jesus his dignity, his good name, his life, his honor, his relationship with his father, his potential PhD, his corner office to be with you and me. He died and suffered for it. And when he rose again, he came back to the same people. To, he took his resurrected conqueror of death time on folks who had run away from him. He actually returned to Mary and to Martha. And it cost him time and money and honor and glory to be spent, right? To spend time necessary to make us his and to save us from our sins and oppression. Save us from our anxiety and trouble. We are called to waste our lives and time on loving God and neighbor. To being used by the God of this world to give our time. Because he has wasted to spend time with us. To spend time with our neighbors by invitation and welcome. Jesus broke the time barrier out of his love and desire to be with you and me and get this with the art of neighboring thing and spend time with those who have yet to meet him. The Bible says he did not consider it a loss or a bad decision to humble himself so we can spend time with and on him. But in order to free us, Jesus came to do the work and take the anxiety and trouble of Martha so that we can be and welcome others to be freed, to be married. Sitting at his feet, being loved by the Lord, spending time with him. Your neighbors need to spend time with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so difficult to split hairs between what is important and what is necessary. You are necessary. And you said it was necessary that you spend time with your people to give us a portion of you. Lord, this is challenging. This is hard. All of us have personal goals. We all want to be something. We have all important things, and we want to order Jesus around. Lord, please forgive us for that. We tell you no, not right now, not in this way. 
Help us to see how you just died. You came and died and rose again because you want to be with us. You were wasted so that you could waste time on us. Please, Lord, let that motivate us. Let that fuel us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.